And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who really wants to come to Milleronia for Christmas. Hi, folks, and uh, welcome back to the Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And you know something? Yes, it's true. Again, I love our theme, and especially that's the Christmas version of it, in case you didn't notice. I know a lot of you fans may say, Hold on a second. That's the same theme. It's the same song. It's not different. There's nothing different about it. Well, maybe you're right, or maybe you just didn't hear it. You'll have to tune in again next week. But boy, it makes me happy to hear that song, and it sets me up and puts a a smile on my face. And of course, that's the John Bravo Orchestra and the Sherry Gandy Voltaire Dancers, featuring boy tenor Jim Bishop asking the musical question... Is there a shortcut to Tipperary? Well, that's a heck of a question, Jim. And uh, I'm sure you know there's a great old song. It's a long way to Tipperary. And uh, by the way, that is a real song and a real place. It is a town and county in Ireland. And it's a song from World War I, popular among soldiers, very popular, and uh, they sang it in those trenches, by the way, on the battlefields in World War One. And so, as uh, Jim wants to know, so is there a shortcut? I mean, the, to the song itself is, It's a long way to Tipperary, it's a long way I know. Here's to Tipperary and the sweetest girl I know. And it goes on and on. It's a terrific song, and... You know what I want to say, uh, Jim, frankly, and you want to know, and it's a very clever question. So, is there a shortcut? And Jim, by the way, added a thought there. He wrote in, steer clear of volcanoes, which is good advice, by the way. Holiday time or no holiday time? In any case, uh, Jim wants to know, is there a shortcut to Tipperary? And pal, I'll be honest with you. Well, it's such a good song. It's a terrific song. And all the lonely soldiers sang it in their trenches in World War I. And since that sweet and pretty girl waited for you all those years back home, Jim, you know what? I believe that's the shortest cut there is. And there's a lot of times in our lives, folks, as you all know, where you just have to say, hey, it gives me something good to sing right now. It gives me a fond memory right now. And I'm thinking of the sweetest girl I know back home in Tipperary. And I got home, and sure enough, there she was. And uh, and waiting for me, and I was waiting for her. And uh, I do believe, folks, that's that's the shortest cut there is. Even if you could beam there like Star Trek, why would you want to do that? After something as, well, as as powerful and, and as taxing and as costly as World War I, so many lives lost. You know what? I think that the trip home would be well worth it, no matter how long it took. And by the way, Colonel Jeff and I agreed on this. And 
there is a sign just outside Tipperary as you get there and in Ireland, and the sign says, well, you've come a long way. And I think that's cute. I think that's cool, too. So, Jim, good question. Dandy question. But I believe that wonderful way back to Tipperary is the shortest cut there is. And by the way, speaking of Colonel Jeff, he was sick last week. And uh, God bless him, he's back now. He's uh, And he's back now. We're on Milleronia. And he's back here on Milleronia. And we're making the show because he's feeling better and because I brought him here to Milleronia a few days early for The Cure. That's capital T, capital C, The Cure. And it has several parts to it. That's in inhaling, well, lava and brimstone and things like that. And uh, the main thing, you know those that old style of cure where you'd put the pot on the stove and you'd boil, well, water with some kind of thing in it? I wouldn't even know what you what, what was in it there. but uh, uh, you, And then you put your head over the pot. Not in the pot if you're going to try this at home. Don't put your head in the pot of boiling water. But you put it over the pot and the steam comes up and you put a towel over your head to hold that steam in. And uh, so we have a great cure here. And admittedly, it's my cure. I, I made it up. I invented it. And uh, so what we did was, and it really works, by the way. It, uh, it it just takes two days, and everything is gone because Colonel Jeff really started developing. He had an infection, a, a brain infection, and more more than the one from just working on this show. But you know what? He he really had it in all sorts of things, and and a big deep cold. And uh, the main part of the cure is, well, we walk him right up to volcano number one, and uh, two of our strongest men hold him. And bend him over so we can get a good look down there into the volcano, right onto the lava. And it's not 100 feet down. It's only about 10 feet down, so it's right there. And it's there, and you're there, and you're looking right at it. And uh, that takes, folks, that's the cure. Because after that, after you see that volcano, not surprisingly, your body wants not to be sick. Your body was saying, maybe if I get really better instantly, they won't bring me back up here again. And that's the truth. That's the big truth of it. Sure, the fumes work all the way, but mainly it's just knowing that we throw a lot of people in there and we just might throw you. So it all worked. And uh, so thank God he's fine now. In fact, he and I were remembering uh, Granny's Cure. From the Beverly Hillbillies. She had a cure for, well, the common cold and the flu and everything like that and all sorts of infections. And, uh, in fact, Mr. Drysdale was so thrilled about hearing that. Well, Granny, because, you know, when Granny may have something, when Granny invented something and he wanted to buy it from her and uh, make it and sell it and just make just make a fortune. And so what the cure is, uh, as Granny showed him, that uh, she makes a possum stew. And you eat the whole thing that whoever's sick eats a gigantic bowl, like a Jethro bowl of, of possum stew. And sure enough, five or six days later, that cold is gone, as she said. So it's not, maybe it's not as magical as some of her other stuff was, but that always made me smile. In any case, Colonel, it's good to have you back in action here. 
And uh, folks, uh, your prayers for Colonel Jeff work. Please send him another one if you're so inclined. And by Amazon. That's right. Amazon and PayPal and my book. You know, Amazon is still the greatest company, still the greatest company in the world to me because they do three things no one else does. Then number one, you imagine anything you want. You think of the products you want. And number two, and they'll get them for you, by the way. And number two, they already have them. That's how great they are. They, they have a gigantic warehouse that looks like Indiana Jones looking for the Ark of the Covenant. And it's one of those warehouses that's maybe a mile long and two miles wide. It's just as long as it could be. And Amazon has it. And number three, the main thing that they do is whatever you order, they send us a percentage. They send me and Jeff a percentage here at the show, the Larry Miller Show, of whatever you order. And we take that money when it arrives, we put it right in our cash box, in our lock box, where we're saving for our next big fancy fried chicken dinner with two cocktails beforehand in a separate place. And we'll let you know, and yes, 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 it's true, we are still maybe, maybe, this is not definite, maybe thinking of inviting Dr. Chris along with us, because he was there at the last big fancy fried chicken dinner with two drinks before. In a different place. In any case, uh, thanks, Amazon. What you do is, folks, go to Amazon. No, you don't. You don't do anything. You don't go to Amazon. You go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. (laughs) And sadly, even my lava cure won't get rid of that honk. If you're making noises like that, you'll just have to wait it out. Anyway, (laughs) you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, and we have a banner that says Amazon. You click our banner, and then go to sleep. Lie down in your best easy chair, put a magazine over your head, watch a ball game, do whatever you like. But we will take you there. It could be the middle of the night. I and Colonel Jeff will still wake up, and we will call each other and say, Meet you at the studio, and we will go down there, and we will get you to Amazon. And by PayPal. That's right, PayPal. Like Amazon, PayPal has a banner on our website. PayPal makes you feel like you're saving the world. They're a good group, and I like them a lot. And uh, what I'm always fond of saying is, look, folks, you know what? Uh, If you enjoy the show here, and why wouldn't you? And if you'd like to send a few bucks to help us out, and why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. So, yeah, but instead of saying donate or pay what you like, I like to say buy us some drinks. That's right, and there are different levels, level one through five, all the way up to... We're driving to Florida! Those folks could use a walk to the volcano, too. Just just a glance in. To make them think, you know what? I think we've had enough tonight. Maybe an early breakfast would help. But I love that. That guy is that guy yelling yes. So you know what, by the way? Look for the PayPal banner on our website. Once again, at LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> I just had to say it again. I love that honk. 
and every little bit helps us keep the old leg lamp lit. So thank you to everyone who's contributed already and who is about to. It makes a big difference to us and makes us all better friends. And by me, that's right, me, there are signed hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, and they're now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. And uh, please buy one. You're really going to like it. I had a great time writing it. It did really well out there. And I'm I'm very, very happy for that. And so in any case, go to store.comedyfilmnerds.com and get a copy of my book. And thank you in advance for doing so. And that brings us to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. <laughs> I really do love this part of the show, though. I uh, There's nothing better than a good joke. It's nothing makes me smile more or you smile more or, or laugh out loud if it's really good and you can pass it on to your friends and loved ones. And uh, I like this one, and the colonel did too. There's a fellow sitting at home and the phone rings, and uh, he says hello, and it's his doctor calling. And he says, well, uh, doctor, hi, what's up? And uh, the doctor says to him, well, I've got good news and bad news. And the guy says, well, all right, uh, let me have the good news. And the doctor says, well, they're going to name a disease after you. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke, isn't it? <laughs> and as I said to the colonel, and that was the good news. So... I think we can all guess what the bad news is. <laughs> That's a good structure. Good news, bad news. You know what it means, and I know what it means. <laughs> and that brings us to my second favorite part of the show, the Poetry Corner. telling you, Colonel, I think that guy with the cough could use a stroll up the volcano mountain. See what happens to that cough then. In any case, this is a, a, a terrific poem. and it, It's uh, written by Claude McKay, born in Jamaica in 1889, then came to America in 1912 to go to the Tuskegee Institute. And eventually, and, uh, he wound up in Harlem in the 30s, and became part of the Harlem Renaissance, and then passed away in 1948. And uh, But God bless him, he's a beautiful writer, and here's a poem he wrote called A Memory of June. When June comes dancing o'er the death of May, with scarlet roses tinting her green breast, and mating thrushes ushering in her day, and earth on tiptoe for her golden guest. I always see the evening when we met, the first of June baptized in tender rain, and walked home through the wide streets gleaming wet, arms locked, our warm flesh pulsing with love's pain. I always see the cheerful little room, and in the corner, fresh and white, the bed, 
sweet-scented with a delicate perfume, wherein for one night only we were wed. Where in the starlit stillness we lay mute and heard the whispering showers all night long, and your brown burning body was a lute, whereon my passion played his fevered song. When June comes dancing o'er the death of May with scarlet roses staining her fair feet, my soul takes leave of me to sing all day a love so fugitive and so complete. Isn't that nice? Isn't that lovely? Yeah, this uh, makes you... Uh, Makes you wish you could have had a a one-night uh, daydream stay like that. I just paused because I remembered, wait a minute, I went to college. <laughs> but the way he writes about it, the way Claude McKay writes about it, you say, gee, that's beautiful. Sure, you know, he sweet-scented with a delicate perfume, yeah. All right, all right. And arms locked, our warm flesh pulsing with love's pain, that's beautiful stuff. I like this couplet thing. And your brown burning body was a lute whereon my passion played his fevered song. Yeah. And that's one way to say it. <laughs> and a very sweet way to say it. A very nice way to say it. I could say it too, but it might not be that sweet. But you would know I meant it sweetly, wouldn't you folks? And that brings us to my third favorite part of the show... Triple M, the magic movie moment. Well, folks, this is a beautiful movie, a great movie from a great novel, a great story by Charles Dickens. And the movie is, and the story is, A Christmas Carol. You all know it, and... Uh, there have been many, many, many made, but this one is my favorite. It's from 1951, and it's directed by Brian Desmond Hurst, which the Colonel and I just decided was uh, was just about the right name you want if you're English. Brian Desmond Hurst. You don't need Brian Desmond Hurst Wasserman. You can have it. I'd have it. But it's not exactly English. In any case, this is starring... Oh, Alistair Sim, what a great actor. Kathleen Harrison. And by the way, there's such so many great people in this cast. But as a young Marley, as young Jacob Marley, his his old partner who's passed on, but comes to the fore in this story. But as a young Marley playing in those scenes, the actor is Patrick McNee, whom you all know. I hope you know him by name, but if you don't, what a great actor he's, he was. He, he's passed on since, and not too long ago, I think a year or two ago. But boy, oh boy, he was the co-star with Diana Rigg in The Avengers. Great, great show. The Avengers on TV, an English show. Hmm. Well, God bless you, Patrick. You you were always great. And uh, But he was in this. In any case, this Christmas Carol is my favorite. It's it's black and white. Alistair Sim is a fabulous Scrooge. He's such a good actor. He plays every level of it. He takes it from, well, A to Z and back again, and everything everything that story does. And, folks, 
there are so many moving parts of this story. It's so well made, too. No one overacts it. It's not over-directed. It's not over-anythinged. It's just laid out there for you, and it's beautifully done. And the magic movie moment for me is that when he finally turns and comes back from his journeys, and he finally becomes the man we want him to be, the man he was made to be, a sweet man. He gets religion, and he, he knows what there is to do now and how it is, well, to live a good life. And, uh, oh boy, when that, and at that night on Christmas Day evening, he decides after everything he's done and waking up and being so thrilled to be alive again another day that he was brought back, that he was gifted with another day of life. And he opens that window and says to the young young boy, Hey, boy, hey boy, you, uh, you get that goose in the, in the butcher shop. And he realizes that he's going to go to take it to Tiny Tim, and his family does that. It's a beautiful movie and a great story. But that night, maybe the most important thing he ever had to do, his whole adult life, he's been pushing away his nephew, the son of his sister, who died, I think in childbirth, in fact, giving birth to the boy. And even every time the boy comes over, he's such a good soul and tries to say, Uncle, come with us tonight, him and his wife. He wants to say, you know, he's married now, the young boy, the nephew. And he says, come, we'll do this. Come, and Christmas is coming up. We'll do this and that. And Scrooge goes, well, that's where the bah humbug comes in. But then he changes as he goes through his adventures and he goes and sees what could have been and what is. And he's changed now. And it's after he's been to Bob Cratchit's house with his family and brought them the goose and spent Christmas Day with them. And then he goes and he walks to his nephew's house where his nephew lives with his wife. And he walks in there. And it's a charming house. Oh, on a city block that has uh, many other houses on it. And uh, his nephew and his wife are there with five or six of their friends. And they're in the, uh, in the charming, warm living room it's, uh, that's not so big, but it doesn't have to be. And they're singing songs. And as, oh, as Scrooge walks in, as the great Al- Alistair Sim walks in, wondering what he could do, wondering what he could say, how he can reach out to this nephew he has pushed away for so long. And I'll never forget, as the, as he walks in, they're playing and uh, singing a song, a great old English song called Barbara Allen. I can't remember all the words, but I remember it's so beautiful. In London town where I was born, there lived a fair maid dwelling. And young men all said, well, a day, her name was Barbara Allen. It's a, it's a beautiful song. And as I said to the colonel, it, it doesn't wind up a happy song, not surprisingly, from English folk songs from about 500 years ago or more. They're gorgeous and they're very moving and they teach a good lesson. But I don't think anyone winds up well on these songs. It's always, so then they killed each other on the block. Okay, here we go. But it's a gorgeous song. And Scrooge walks in and their maid gives him a smile and a nod because she knows who he is. And they all do. They all know that 
that his nephew and his nephew's wife have been coming after Uncle Scrooge, Uncle Ebenezer, all these years to loosen up a little. And and they see him. He comes in and they walk out to the parlor just to look at him and he's smiling. And it's a very warm, easy smile. And they, Uncle, I'm so glad you came. And uh, and he's, he smiles and nods back. It's such great acting. And he turns to his nephew's wife, and, and and says to her, these aren't the exact words, but it's pretty close. He says to her, can you ever forgive an old man with no eyes to see nor ears to hear? And uh, and she just smiles back and touches his face and says, oh, uncle, it's so well made, folks, that it doesn't go over the top. It just gets to the top. And, well, he walks in then and they sing together and they dance together. He and the young wife dance. They dance a polka, which, by the way, moves pretty fast. I just want you to know. I mean, they're dancing and they're happy. And they should be. It's a wonderful movie. And uh, you know what? One of the reviews from it said, uh, had a great line in it, that about this version from 1951 with Alistair Sim, and the quote is, other Christmas carols need not apply. There have been many fine ones made, and there'll be more, and that's fine. They should be. I'd love a part in one of them, and I, uh, I, I, I absolutely would. But I'll tell you what, folks. Please see A Christmas Carol from 1951 by Charles Dickens, directed by Brian Desmond Hurst, starring Alistair Sim, Kathleen Harrison, Oh, and so many others, and a young Patrick McNee as young Jacob Marley. And you'll know why other Christmas carols need not apply to. And the reason I also want to choose something like that is it's, well, here it is, and I thought, well, the 9th of December, the 10th of December, the 11th, is it the middle of December already? It's always possible. How does that happen in our lives? All the time when a year suddenly flies by. We all know the feeling, the reality of that of, good Lord, has it flown by already? And the answer is always, yes, it has. But folks, we're still here. We were brought back today too, you and I. And, you know, frankly, it, it, more this year than anything else, I, I'm wondering, even on TV commercials, why don't we ever hear the word Christmas anymore? I, I, I don't think it I don't understand. It's one of those things in life where all I can ever say is, I don't understand. And you know, there's, it has nothing to do with, you know, Hanukkah has nothing to, to do with it. There are other holidays, you know, forget it. They have nothing to do with anything to do with Christmas. No one's annoyed. I don't understand what committee makes these decisions. But you know what? The word Chris, I've been seeing TV commercials for clothing outlets and this and that, and it's uh, it's just a H H and M happy and merry, yo happy and merry, and they always say happy and merry holidays, happy and merry holidays. What does that even mean? Nothing to me. Is it possible? How do you say the word merry without the word Christmas? Have I lost my mind here? And I I, I think I have, <laughs> but. That aside, I really don't understand it. 
because that's the word. That's the holiday. That's, that's what it is. That's the time of year. Nothing else has anything to do with anything. And uh, Colonel Jeff just brought up that we were talking about it before the show doing our prep work. And uh, we were remembering the, uh, the special holiday from Seinfeld, Festivus. And uh, he remembered, he was saying on that show, that was a holiday George's father made up. Festivus. And they had the slogan, Festivus for the rest of us. And uh, they had a pole, and not a flag, not anything else, no ribbons. There was a pole. And, uh, oh, part of the celebration was the feats of strength. It was, and by the way, the whole holiday was celebrated on 1223, on the 23rd of December. And uh, part of the practice of the holiday is the airing of grievances, which is, occurs during the Festivus meal, which it's, it's a time where everyone tells everyone else all the ways you have disappointed them over the last year. And that's at, at the dinner table, by the way. Festivus. And uh, feats of strength, by the way, is that means after the Festivus dinner, the head of the household selects one person and challenges them to a wrestling match. And that was a for real wrestling match. And I was laughing. And, and then Colonel Jeff reminded me that uh, it's listed, by the way, it's written down on the Internet that tradition states that Festivus is not over until the head of the household is pinned. And that made me laugh. So, and by the way, people celebrate Festivus today. People who are not kidding around celebrate Festivus. And they do it all. I'd like to see you try and tell them not to say the name. But apparently, the the idea came from one of the writers on Seinfeld, Dan O'Keefe. And get this, the reason he brought it to the writing table there was it was apparently already a long-standing tradition in his family and still is. I don't mean his family with his wife and their new baby. I mean the family with the grandparents, great-grandparents, all the aunts and uncles, all the kids, everything. They all celebrated. They made up the holiday and celebrated Festivus, which I thought was funny. And let's be honest, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, at least it's funny. What's wrong with being funny? That I I could celebrate that holiday, if you take the wrestling out. But I mean, what? It's just very funny, and who doesn't like to laugh? This is a great time of the year to laugh. And by the way, we have a great celebration. We have a, a great Christmas here on Milleronia, and we don't celebrate, by the way, uh, Christmas or Hanukkah or anything else. We celebrate Millermas which is also, by the way, on the 25th of December. We had it first, by the way. And uh, so that we celebrate Millimrus, and uh, we oh, we have plenty of traditions, but ours is not a religious holiday, uh, so to speak. It's, it's Our people don't pray uh, on, on uh, Millimrus. Well, they do, but they pray to me because, well, they've, they've all seen the volcano. But... Uh, you know what? It's a wonderful holiday. Here's one of our customs. Our Santas are not fat men with twinkling eyes and warm, soft beards and who have a great smile. 
Our, ours are 19-year-old Milleronian girls who are chosen by committee. And let me tell you, getting on that committee is pretty tough. You can't just walk in and say, I'd like to be on the committee. Well, of course you'd like to be on the committee. You'd like to be one of the judges. And how? And the girls are young girls who, and they're, they're not Santas. We don't call them Santas. We call them Santettes. And they're gorgeous and wholesome and smile like the rising sun. It's a big honor to be chosen. And their families are thrilled. Not right away. They're usually embarrassed and horrified and frightened. But all their complaining ends the second. That's right. We walk them all up with the wife and kids to the volcano. And they look in and realize that's where they're going. If they complain about this, that's where they're going. And uh, on the walk down, we usually stop for a bite and a couple of drinks, and there's no complaining anymore. But you know what? That's awfully nice. We go to, can go to a department store here and take the kids up, and the kids don't need this. You know, that this is a classic, obviously, sit down on Santa's lap and tell Santa what you want. But our Santettes are... Well, they're great, they're athletic, they're happy, they're so glad to be there, and they're just beautiful. And that's that's a good sit-down for Dad. Dad likes to go sit down and tell one of the Santettes what he wants. And uh, it's not fully necessary, because at that point, she already knows what he wants. But still, it's a tradition. And we've over, we've all overreacted sometimes to taking this and throwing out that. And you know what, though? There's no need for it. So we'll relax. You'll relax. Tune in for, you know, with us, and, and, and you'll hear some, of the, some good things that I and Colonel Jeff want to hear just as well. And we know, but you already know that because we know the same things. We know Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And so remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you folks, the game's over and you've won. And you can take that sliding down the chimney just as well. Be well, and we'll see you here next time. <laughs>